Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Service Without Excuses podcast with Rob M. Lyon. I am here with you on a Sunday evening. We had a guest originally lined up that we had to reschedule. I had some personal things going on, so we're going to get him back in later on this week. His name is Trey Rains from Rains Restoration in uh, Maryland. Awesome kid. Awesome. Yeah, he's a kid to me, but awesome guy. And uh, he's got a great story from going from a business owner or business employee to an owner. Uh, it's going to be a great podcast. So stay tuned for that one. Tonight, we're going to talk about something that's been brought up quite a bit. And I did a mini, mini recording about three years ago on this one. And it seems to be more relevant now than ever, especially with everything that's going on with the pandemic and all the craziness from that standpoint of what's going on. Um, it's called uh, branding versus positioning, what the two differences are between um, the two different entities. What is positioning and what is branding? So I'm going to get into this a little bit. We have all seen ads for FedEx, Maytag, Whirlpool, even Jacuzzi. My question is, does that mean the average everyday small business owner is in that same realm? Hmm. Do you think you have the funds and resources to compete in that market? Or do you think you're better off standing out and have better positioning in the marketplace, at least your marketplace? In this podcast, Positioning versus Branding, we're going to discuss just that, the positives, the negatives, and differences between both, and how it applies to your service-based business. So let's get into branding. Simple example we talked about here just two seconds ago about branding is FedEx. FedEx is a branded business, not just from advertising standpoint. All they've done an absolute monster amount of advertising in the past. Um, they're a they're a, a home base. They're a, they're a, I mean everybody knows who FedEx is, and some of the marketing you really don't realize about FedEx. And I'm going to start this right off the bat is when you look at the FedEx label, look at it really really close. See what stands out about the FedEx label next time you see it. Be kind of interesting. It's an arrow. So next time you look at the FedEx logo, or if you listen to this podcast, take a good look at the FedEx logo and tell me where the arrow is. Put it in the comments and notes, but it's subliminal marketing you don't even realize is in there. It's subliminal branding about the business itself. So businesses like Maytag, FedEx, Whirlpool, Jacuzzi, we think about Jacuzzi being a Whirlpool, but really Jacuzzi is a brand name. It's a name that's been around forever. It's the name people accustom to a brand, a powerful brand. In the carpet cleaning world, you have Stanley Steamer, you have ChemDry. In the restoration world, you have Pro, you have Paul Davis, you have uh, companies like Belfour. You have brand names that have spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to make their name out there in the front. And it's been a lucrative campaign for them. When they got into it, they decided we're gonna we want to be nation nationwide domination or world domination for what we were doing. So they realized a long time ago that they wanted to take market share. They wanted to have that ability to uh, be in the marketplace from that standpoint and be a strong player in the marketplace. They wanted to dominate it. What are the companies I just mentioned? And I won't say which one it was. I watched them put one million plus dollars into a market at West. That wasn't doing a million dollars a year. So figure this much. You're taking a business that isn't doing one million dollars per year, and you put one million dollars into their marketing budget. Ballsy. Crazy. But been done. And they were so focused on making sure they were the brand in the marketplace, and they had two competitors that were a little bit stronger than them in the first place. But they want to make sure that they put a big dent into it. And to put a million dollars into a business that wasn't doing a million dollars 
is insanity. But it takes some guts. It takes some balls. It takes some strength. It takes uh, incredible courage to put that kind of money into something. I mean, you have to have it in order to do it. But let's just look at it from that standpoint. It's not something you everyday people could go and drop a million dollars into something that's just not heard of. But businesses of the past like that, even major chains, major market chains have put their name behind and their money behind building a brand name. Think about every time you watch the World Series or even more important or more visible, the Super Bowl. How much do you think it costs to run your ad if you're Coca-Cola on the Super Bowl? Now, they've been doing it for years. But how much do you think it costs companies like Walmart, Coca-Cola, Budweiser to run that ad? It's in the millions, I can tell you that. In fact, last time I checked, I think it was about $3 million per drop per 30-second ad. It was an insane amount of money. But they're so focused on having their brand being a dominant player in the marketplace nationwide or worldwide that that's their entire focus on to do that. That being said, how do you compete? How does little old you or me compete in the marketplace when you have these companies that put a million dollars into a company that's not doing a million dollars a year? People that pay $3 million to do an ad on the Super Bowl. People that spend hundreds of millions of dollars every single year to position, or I should say to brand their business in their marketplace across the country in every market. You can't compete against that. So how do you get your business to an even playing field? Well, simple. Today with the internet, you can do that. If you're smart about it, if you work with the right companies, if you spend your money wisely, if you if you plan and put a good strategy together, a good online presence strategy, you can be just as big in your marketplace as them because you can position your name in the marketplace. For example, our company is called New Jersey's Best. Are we the best carpet cleaning company in New Jersey? I would like to think so, but I'm not naive. I'm not stupid. There's a lot of great cleaners. I'm friends with a lot of great cleaners. In fact, I have one I talk to uh, a lot, and he says, hey, we're both the best carpet cleaners in New Jersey, but we're really, my name is behind it, is saying it's the best company in New Jersey. Does that make it the best? No, but I'm trying to position myself to be the best resource for people in my market in the two to three counties we service as the positioning leader for your choice. Now, I've spent a lot of money, I've spent a ton of money, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to market our business. I do it every single year. In fact, I probably spend more closer to $50,000 a year to keep our company going and floating, keep everybody working. It's a big expense. We're a young company, two and a half years into it, so of course, we're spending a lot more right now than we would, but the ultimate goal is to be a larger multi-truck company than we already are and to take bigger uh, position in the marketplace to be a branded name through positioning. And that's what I want to talk to you about in this podcast. How do you take and brand your business as a position in the marketplace when you can't compete against these large companies, these large restoration companies, these large corporations all over the world? We all know them. I don't have to get into more examples than I already gave. How do you compete against them? It's very simple. 
you have a market base your plant you're you're working in. Now, if you're in the business sector that we're in, most people that are listening to this, you're dealing with home services, commercial services, but service-based businesses, landscapers, uh, pest control, carpet cleaners, restoration companies, painters, uh, HVAC guys, plumbing contractors, you know, people that go in and work in home and business services doing a service-based business, which requires a technician to go into a house for the most part to do a job. Well, it's pretty easy to get your guys out there to be able to go and do an exceptional job. I mean, that's not that difficult to do. It shouldn't be too hard to get the right people, um, pay them correctly and train them correctly and incentivize them correctly in order to be a great company in your market. But that's only half the battle. You have to get your marketplace that you're servicing, whatever that happens to be, to know that you are the best at what you are, New Jersey's best, as I as I say it, you're Florida's best, you're Michigan's best. You, but again, they're all big states. New Jersey's a big state, Michigan's a big state, Florida's a big state. You want to market your position to your marketplace. Number one, you have your current and past clients. That's huge. Okay, so you have a market base to work with in the first place that already knows you, and if you think they they really know who you are. I would say call 10 of them up and say, do you remember me cleaning your rugs? Do you remember me um, handling your air duct cleaning? you remember me painting your house? remember me doing pest control in your house? Et cetera, et cetera. And most of them are going to say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Or no at all. So they're not going to remember your name because you haven't, you haven't made top of mind awareness. You haven't put them out there. And listen, I'm pretty good at top of mind awareness, but if I tell you every single month people call me saying, I'm not sure if you're the person I used last time, that hurts so bad. But it's realistic. It's the reality of the world. They don't remember who you are, and I did not do a good enough of a job to stay in front of them to keep my name branded with my positioning in the marketplace. Branding is a powerful tool, but branding is an effective to- ineffective tool if you don't use it to be a position leader in your in your market space, okay? Branding in general, you can't do, but taking the branding and using it as a position, as a hedge in your marketplace can be an extremely powerful tool and will be an extremely powerful tool if you use it correctly. So your first line of defense is to take it and market and position your brand, your company to your past clients. They're the easiest. Okay, your second would be to get B2B businesses in your marketplace that you have already done business with in the past or you want to do business with in the future that will recognize your name. And if they don't recognize your name, your job is to get in front of them so they do recognize your name. So they are aware of what you do. They are aware of your background. They are aware of the reviews. They are aware of your services. It's your job to put your position in the marketplace to them that you are the obvious choice. You are the best choice they can get for the services you are offering. That's how you have to be seen. And it's not the hardest thing in the world to do, but it takes work. It's not simple. I should say it's not easy, but it is simple. Simple by putting systems and processes together like I talk about in every single podcast that I record here for you on the Service Without Excuses podcast is to take an a lot of repetition. You know, if you're doing something to retain your market base, if you're doing something to be in front of your customers and clients 
consistently over and over again, they will remember you. It's very simple. Companies like McDonald's, when you go up to a McDonald's drive-in, not that I'm knocking McDonald's because God knows I've been there plenty of times, and they are my one of my vices. My KFC is my vice, and I'll get into that another day, but Kentucky Fried Chicken is my vice. I love KFC. It's been since I was a kid, and it goes back to when I was a kid. Um, that makes it such a, a powerful thing for me. But let's take McDonald's. When you go up to the drive-in, you order a cheeseburger or a... Uh, let's see, McDonald's isn't the Whopper. That's the other company. <laughs> You're going to get a cheeseburger. Let's just leave it at that. And you go up in the line and say, listen, I want a double cheeseburger or I want a Big Mac. That's the one they have. When you go to Big Mac to get a Big Mac in New Jersey or Florida or California or Texas or New York, it's the same Big Mac. The expectations have been put forth. Your mind is already trained on what it's going to taste like. Your mind is already trained on what it's going to feel like when you grab the sandwich and put it in your hand. You have an expectation of what it's going to be. One of the things that usually don't come through your mind when you go to McDonald's, and again, this is not a knock on McDonald's, that this is the greatest burger you've ever had. It's probably not the greatest burger you've ever had, and if it is, God love you. It's probably not, but it's met the expectations you are accustomed to having when you order something, when you get some food from McDonald's. You know the fries, you know the chicken nuggets, you know the fish filet. It's going to taste the same no matter where you're, and that's how these companies grew. The position in the marketplace, granted McDonald's is worldwide, comes from a very simple process. It comes from... Doing something over and over again once you've gotten down what you want and manufacturing that to be efficiently delivered to the end consumer, end consumer being you, okay? They have mastered the art of taking this simple burger and a burger, again, we've all just, we just discussed is not probably the best burger in the world, but it's the burger you're accustomed to having and delivering it based on that. So when you line up in Florida or Texas or California or New Jersey, you're ready to have the Big Mac. You're ready to have a cheeseburger. You're ready to have chicken nuggets. You're ready to have a fish filet because you've already been accustomed to that. That's branding, but it's also positioning. It's the position of these foods in the market base that you are ready to have. You can visually think about. You can visually look at the burger and know what it's going to taste like. You can visually eat the chicken nuggets and know what they're going to taste like. You can visually look at the cheeseburger, fish filet, any of it, and know what it's going to taste like. Why? Because you have trained your brain over time the incredibly resourceful top-of-mind awareness. You know where you're at. They have branded their concept, their food, their flavor, their entire process into the cortex of your brain. Think about it, okay? It's not a lot of, again, complexity to it. It's really simple. Think about it. It's in your brain. So why can't you take your service business which usually, again, goes in a truck or vehicle and serves a customer, whether both residential and commercial, a service, and have the same process in place. Why can't you do it? 
you don't have to spend $100 million on a war chest like companies like McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and KFC do. Why do you have to do that? You can't do that, first and foremost. So that's off the table. But second of all, how can you determine yourself? Well, you can simply set up a system that people will like. And if you're not sure if your customers or clients like what you're doing, real simple process again. Ask them. Survey them. Make sure reviews are involved. Reviews are going to be part of a whole different podcast. I won't go down that road. But it's a very simple way to do two things. Find out if you're delivering what the customer and clients want. And second of all, if it's a trail of success that you should go going forward, they will tell you what they want. You have to ask them. If you put reviews out there, you're going to get it. And second of all, that feedback gets distributed throughout the internet, therefore raising your ranking online. So it's a twofer. So we call it twofer. Number one, you're getting the right feedback. And number two, it's getting all over the internet. And if you're doing the job right, you're making your clients and customers happy, then it's going to be a great feedback when people do searches for whatever you do in your marketplace. So now you have found a way to brand your business as a position in your marketplace. Branding is not dead. Branding is very much alive. Branding will probably always be here as a company, as, a, as an entity, as, a, as, a, as something that's there in the marketplace that services it. But today with the advent of the internet, you can compete with them. You can compete with them by using very simple, not easy processes of rebranding your business to position to your marketplace. Positioning is everything. It's so powerful, in fact, when I do a 30-minute consultation free of charge to our new clients on robmlion.com. It says right there you get a free 30 minutes. I send you an ebook about a positioning masterclass. I actually have a positioning masterclass on one of our courses. And I believe in positioning so much that is, it is the only, in my opinion, variable that keeps you in the marketplace against these big giant companies that are set on world domination, set on taking over uh, the planet with their products and services. But how can little you compete? It's pretty simple. I have clients every single day that I advise through our coaching, co- coaching company, consulting company, how they compete against big players. And they're like, I don't know how. Well, I spent my first 17 years of, of my business career working with franchise companies, everything from the little guy at the bottom to the guy running the multi-million dollar year company to the guy working for the corporate office. So you can do it. It just takes some time. And we reposition our clients every single day to look like a brand in the marketplace. And we give them advice on how they can be seen to their end consumers. And the biggest problem they seem to have from our standpoint, from what we see, is people are so focused on, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't be like FedEx. I can't be like Whirlpool. I can't be like Jacuzzi. I can't be. And my response is, pardon my French, the fuck you can't. You absolutely can become a player. Again, you're trying to be in your marketplace. The businesses we work with and we market to are strictly to their market base. Most people are within one to two, maybe three counties. You're not going across the country. I don't specialize in teaching people how to sell products. I don't specialize in giving people advice on how they can position their products. It's not my area of expertise. Now, do I understand it? I have a pretty good idea of it, but it's not my area of expertise, and I would never advise somebody or give any advice on this podcast 
on something like that. I can only give you advice on Main Street marketing, so to speak, on the marketing that works in your area for your service-based business. That's the 30 years of experience I've had because that's how I know how to do it. Whether you're a restoration contractor, I'm rebranding a restoration company right now that has done very well up to this point, but wants to get away from um, uh, vendor programs. And I won't get into what that is, but vendor programs are a lucrative way to build up a business, but it's it's a stream. And then you have only really one stream from these insurance carriers as far as the vendor programs. Well, they want to be outside of that. And well, I've done pretty well. Every business I've had has been on vendor programs. Um, it's just we didn't rely on them. We had to make sure we had something completely separate from vendor programs, preferred vendor programs. It could be uh, property management programs, I mean, there's a variety of things, but we never wanted to focus on one stream of income. We wanted to make sure we maximized all the positioning we could have in the marketplace. If we were just worried about a brand, we just worried about the work that comes in, thinking on our high horse that we're just, we've been around forever, that the franchise has been around forever, that the corporate entity has been around forever, that, you know, that we're, we're, we're going to be successful because we're really that good at what we do. And that's bullshit. You will never be as successful as you can be um, with that mentality. You need to find a way to position yourself. That's what we do. That's what we try and advise. That's what a lot of this podcast is about is trying to find out what positioning versus branding and how you position yourself in your marketplace. How does your company stick out from every and all other options that are in that marketplace? Think about it. What I want you to do is write down on one side, and I won't even draw a chart on this, even though you're watching me on YouTube. You draw down one chart of all the companies that do what you do, and on the other side, put a line right down the middle, And on the other side, write down what you do. And I want you to really think about this. I want you to put some thought into this. This is not a five-minute exercise. This is probably a two-day exercise. Write down all your general competitors doing what you do. And then write down the right what you do differently than them. If you can't come up with something, you either need to hire somebody or you need to go back to the drawing board. Because there are a variety of things that you're doing different every single day that gives you a competitive advantage in positioning your business separate from any and all of the other companies that do what you do in the area. So again, really simple. On one side, write down all of your competitors. On the right, all the things you do different than those competitors. And if you can't find those things, hit me up on robmlion.com, pick up your 30-minute free strategy session, and I will be glad to give you a a bunch of things free of charge, no obligation, that just helps get you on your way. And if we can help you down the road, great. If we can't, that's understandable too as well. My whole mission on this podcast is to help small businesses think differently about how they run their companies. Think differently about how they operate and offer their services to their clients, both residential and commercial. Think differently is the key to this. Service Without Excuses is basically a program based on a book about giving people exactly what they want without excuses. Doing exactly what you say you'll end up doing for the customer without excuses. That's tremendous benefit, but you need to go way beyond that. And the book describes things way beyond that. Um, The book is really designed to train technicians for companies, for companies we've worked with in consulting and coaching. That's what those books were mainly for. Um, But it's it's a real simple process. You have to make sure you stand out. You have to make sure you have a position in the marketplace. We've seen a final example I'll give you in this podcast here today is if you've ever seen a race, doesn't mean it's NASCAR, could be Indy, could be whatever. 
like you always see certain people win a lot, but it doesn't mean they're guaranteed to win. You see from time to time companies, companies, excuse me, racers that will jet out in front and win the race. And you're like, how these guys go from like 45th to first and win? And it's positioning. It's having a crew chief running the race. It's having a spotter at the top seeing and giving advice to the driver because the driver can't see everything around them. They can only see really what's in front of them and maybe a little bit in the back, but they have somebody else guiding them on how to get to the pole position, on how to get to the first spot in the race, second or third, whatever it is, but to be up there in the very end as a top finishing performer in the race. You want to be a top finishing performer in the race. And even though a lot of these name brands with big monies and big money in racing and big names and experience in racing win a lot of races, they don't win them all. Not at all. They probably win 50% at best. And a lot of the unknown guys come out of nowhere and they start making a name for themselves by winning a race. All because they had the best spotter, the best crew chief, and they had the best experience and the best position to win in their company. All right, guys, thank you again so much. This is Service Without Excuses podcast with Rob M. Lyon. Do me a favor. If you're catching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Same thing on iTunes, Stitcher, on uh, Spotify, whatever you happen to see. We appreciate We're appreciating feedback you give us. And if you have any questions, make sure you fill it in on the YouTube link or on iTunes. You can certainly write some questions, reviews, things of that nature, and we will certainly see them and get back. So, guys, awesome. Thank you so much again. I appreciate you joining me here on a Sunday evening. You have a great rest of the day. We'll see you this week. Thanks.